Well, hello, Experimental Line Podcast listeners. Matt Gurney here for Jen Gerson. This following podcast is a fun one. We definitely had some fun with it, but it's uh, kind of a convoluted one because a lot of our topics are all overlapping. So we're talking about what's happened in Alberta, a new premier about to be sworn in next week. We're talking some federal politics. We're talking some military procurement. But all of these topics are kind of feeding off of each other. So we have some fun. We hope you're going to enjoy. But yeah, telling you in a concise little summary what we're talking about, Kind of hard to do that today. Hey, folks. Um, lots going on this week. And, Jen, I'm, I'm almost going to throw the floor to you immediately with the exception of just a programming note. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Long weekend. We will be taking Monday off. So we'll be back um, on Tuesday with, with more stuff to come. But, Jen, I think the ball's in your court right now. The big news at the end of this week is your home province uh, has an, uh, or will have a new premier. Yeah. So, I mean, um, firstly, the only thing that was surprising about uh, Daniel Smith's win was that it actually came on the sixth ballot. I think that generally speaking, most of us expected her to win on the first. We expected to sort of a Pierre Polyev-like uh, victory. I now am wondering whether or not that just was a reflection of maybe mass buying of um, party memberships by people like on the NDP and on the left to try and keep her out. I, I don't know, uh, because... It, I don't know how to say this, but like everyone else just totally fizzled out of this leadership race three months ago. Like Taves really hasn't been in the running for six to eight weeks. Gene has been nowhere. Like there's just been no one else with any momentum. So I kind of am wondering if there was an organized anti-Danielle campaign among non-conservatives, which wouldn't have necessarily have been caught, um, which might explain why she was sixth ballot. I don't know. That's that's purely conjecture on my part. Point being, Danielle Smith won. We expected her to win. Um, the general consensus in the Twitterverse now is that uh, now, of course, it's a Rachel Notley shoe-in. Yep. Danielle Smith is just way too Looney Tunes to, uh, to succeed at this. Um, she's got so much history. She's got so much oppo against her that, that there's just, like, the UCP is, has, as uh, our contributor today, um, uh, put it very succinctly the UCP has strapped itself into a plane and you know yelled the 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 kamikaze curse it's about to commit suicide um I'm not sure I 100% agree with Ken uh I get where he's coming from but let's also remember you know he worked for um Rajan Sani who was uh, one of the leadership contenders who ran against Smith so I think he's kind of coming at this from a, a very dark perspective i don't hold a lot of optimism for Smith because um, she, her gifts as a politician are also some of her weaknesses. She's a brilliant, very gifted communicator, but she's a fast talker. And she's one of those people who, you know, you can sit here and you can listen to her and you can be like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Wait, but wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Slow down. Slow down. Slow down. Let's talk. Like, it, I don't describe this as like she can throw so much information at you and it sounds so good that your brain kind of stops processing it and you stop thinking about it. But it's only when you think about it later that you kind of go, that's not actually how that works. Or did yeah, you but, think about that? You know? But most people don't think about it later. But most people don't think about it. Right. And I yeah. can use a couple of examples here, but I don't really want to get into it. The point is, is that she's a, she's a, she's a fast talker. She's highly communicative, but she's also, this is her real gift. She's a really good listener. I talked, I, so I followed her for a little bit during um, the last couple of days of the campaign for a Globe column that I wrote. And what really got me or what really interested me is that she went to one um, uh, group meeting. Uh, basically, what it was, they were taking the ballot boxes to all of these different uh, locations across Alberta in order to collect the physical ballots. So while, while they were there, they would have the ballots there for a couple of hours. She'd come and give a speech and Whatever. So in one of these locations in Carsland, Alberta, which is just outside of um, uh, Calgary, it's a hamlet of like a couple hundred people, you know, only seven people showed up. And rather than have a rally or just get into her, to her stump speech, she sat down with them and she had like an impromptu group therapy session and said, well, tell me what's your problem? Like, what are your issues? And she started writing them all down. Like she was listening to people and taking them seriously. And like, that's very Alberta. That is very Alberta. And also, that is exactly what the UCP caucus had wanted from Kenny. And Kenny never gave it to him because he never understood that that's what they were looking for. They were looking for the classic Ralph Klein style approach to leadership where the door was always open and anyone could come and talk to the leader at any time about their issues. She's almost like a facilitating group. As I said, it felt like group therapy. 
So can, can if you see she the can weird take... look I'm giving you? Yeah. Can I can I step in and just Toronto explain something for a second and pop it? Go for it. Oh, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. You want to know a weird thing Albertans do? Yeah. They take stuff that's banal and usual and declare it very Alberta. Oh, do we? Okay. Why is that like, normal? That's Doug Ford. Well, the, the, yeah, and this like, this is this the comparison is, I was gonna. Is, I was. This is Justin Trudeau. This is yes, and like, this, is, this, this is not an Alberta thing. This sorry, okay, I apologize. Premier of Ontario and the Prime but Minister. Like, but like, but this is why this is why the, the the analogy to Doug Ford is so apt, and this is what I kind of thought was ironic about uh, the Corey Tanaki quote that was in Ken Bosenkul's piece from from where he makes this point where he's like Daniel Smith is radically different from other conservatives like Doug Ford, and I'm like maybe that's true maybe she'll turn out to be radically different like doug ford or maybe she'll turn out to be just like doug ford you uh, know so i hmm. i i remember when doug ford was elected people were like he's a trumpian populist who's gonna blah 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 what for doug ford's many 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 failures he didn't turn out to be that no so i kind of think that there might be a little bit of a pair like the doug ford daniel smith analogy might prove could i don't know could prove to be more apt than people are giving it credit for if she can actually sit down talk to people and be realistic about what her goals and out and and ambitions are and 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 communicate those goals and ambitions to um uh ordinary people and if she can keep her caucus together if the macroeconomic factors continue to go her way and if the next six months don't turn into just an absolute tire fire of crazy she might be able to pull this off now or or she'll find out that Premier of Alberta is a poison chalice, yeah. and this province is effing crazy, and she will not be able to 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 manage an already deeply divided caucus. She'll try to bring in some crazy version of the Sovereignty Act. Her own caucus will split and turn against her. Um, her failure to pass the Sovereignty Act will totally um, alienate all these people who got on board for for her because of it. Uh, or she does pass the Sovereignty Act and people realize that it's absolutely stupid, symbolic nonsense. It doesn't actually work because that system doesn't work the way, work the way she's claiming it does. In which case, the whole thing goes full tire fire and we wind up with another NDP win and like the next nine months of my life are glorious because like it's really easy for me to find stuff to write about. I don't know which way this is going to go is what I'm saying. It's like, I am open to the possibility that like, this coming race may be a lot tighter than people appreciate. It's going to be totally fascinating. The next nine, eight, nine months to birth of Berta are going to be amazing. It's also possible that like she brings in the sovereignty act and this becomes a precursor to an actual separation movement. And like a bunch of investment in people just, just go, you know, F off. Nope, not in for this. I'm going into the sea. Like, you know, which could, would also be crazy. So like, I mean, anything could happen. It's Alberta. It's so weird. But isn't sovereignty support for Alberta like 15%-ish? No, it's, it was at a high, it was 30. But like, is that the normal range or was that everybody was grumpy? It's up? It's, yeah, that would be the high. It's still in like the 20 something percent range. Like it's, 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 uh, it's not small. Let's put mm. it that way. Um, taking in all your your wisdom here i i have two things first of all again i just want to reiterate to not only you but all our alberta listeners here like not everything that happens in alberta is a really albertan thing sometimes they're just things that people do it's like you know i had eggs for oh, breakfast that's, this that, morning. that's fair that's like albertans. The, the only thing i would say is this like uh ralph klein set a precedent for how alberta politicians expect their leadership to sort of run itself and politicians and leader and um, premiers who haven't followed that model have struggled. Uh, premiers who who've tried a very top-down hierarchical type leadership style don't do very well in Alberta. Yeah. Um, but maybe, and I think that there there is a there is a cultural element to that to the to the political culture. It's not. I'm not saying that like no other leaders in Canada keep the door open and listen to their MPs. I'm not saying that. I'm saying there are specific expectations that, that are sort of ingrained and baked into the political culture of Alberta and See, people who are coming from places like, oh, say Ottawa, uh, yeah. you know, Harper or sorry, Kenny or Prentice or Redford or, you know, people who, who aren't really baked into that culture. They don't get it. They just come in the door and they're like, hey, I'm the boss and you're going to do what I say. And that really alienates them among the caucus. So it's it, I, there's I think there's a, an element of political culture there. 
I don't I don't want to make this an anti-Alberta podcast because I think you know by Ontario standards I'm actually really freaking Albertan like a lot of my politics would align quite well with Alberta stuff and Alberta is one of my favorite provinces but I remember I told you before that Albertan conservatives in particular have drunk too much of their own Kool-Aid and they're actually not that conservative like they're Oh no, they're not conservative they're, at all. They're curmudgeon and grumpy, but like then they, they hemorrhage money on on yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, no, no. Alberta and conservatives I, aren't conservative I, at all. I just I, think I've Albertans never... have a really interesting view of Alberta. Um, yeah, and also a massively self-inflated, self-important view of Alberta, which absolutely um, clouds their judgment on stuff. This might be that. I don't think it's self-importance there, but it's oh, a sort the separation of... stuff totally is. Yeah, no, probably. Um, yeah, it may, maybe on that front, but I just think like part of Alberta's culture is to be in love with Alberta in a way that is like endearing, but yes. also like, you know, only in Alberta do we love our children. You know, I, I adopted a puppy like an Albertan. Well, does, in Alberta, you know? we don't have rats. So that, yeah. that counts for something. Yeah, it counts for not having rats. Um, and I think <laughs> I think the, the self-importance you're referring to might stem a little bit from the fact that people who are from alberta seem to be convinced that anywhere that is not alberta like all life is this like hobbesian miserable state and then it's like you know our politicians they they talk to the voters it was such an albertan thing well, to i'm not do. talking about talking to the voters i'm literally talking about talking to caucus no yeah but i'm just i don't know i mean you know i get where you're coming I get, I get what you're saying i get what you're coming from but like i i like i said i, I think there is a we have blue sky I, I've, I've, I've written about mm. this for about how Alberta conservatives aren't actually conservative. No, not, but they think they are. But they think and, they are, and that's what's is, so funny. But this is a self-identity thing. I like know, Albertans, it is. Albertans have guzzled too much Albertan Kool-Aid. Yeah, uh, again, I say this as a guy who likes Alberta. Like, yeah. I really, really like Alberta. Yeah. But I, I just, like, from, with love from Toronto, like, I'm just kind of bemused by your, like, your self-absorption sometimes, because it's like... It's intense. Yeah. But then you're so fascinated by us when we do crazy shit, like, oh, elect uh, um, Daniel Smith as premier, like... Well, probably you would need... Yeah. No, I mean, Alberta right? isn't the is self, one of the, the more self-absorption is, is rooted in the fact that you are all, like gaping at us with wide eyes whenever we do anything it's funny. yeah but it's horror um, <laughs> yeah well that too i mean horror is attention <laughs> man the other the other point i would make and I, I i'm look i'm not i'm not the expert in alberta politics here you are i defer to you on this stuff but a lot of what you're describing to me strikes familiar chords and notes of just mm -hmm. this person cannot possibly win because the people on twitter don't like them yeah. Oh, yeah. And like, I and I, I know that you and I make a habit of repeating on a fairly regular basis some some of the stats on this. Like, not that many Canadians are active on a daily basis on Twitter. A lot of the ones that are are not involved in politics. A lot of the ones that are are only loosely involved. Like, it's such a tiny little slice. Like, yeah, there are issues in Alberta or in any province that. Well, I mean, look, I'm just, you know what? I'm going to scrap what I was about to say. I'm just going to remind people that Doug Ford won 83 seats. Yep, that's right. And so the more I see a consensus forming up that uh, Daniel Smith is bad, she's doomed, she 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 has baggage, Rachel Notley is going to mop the floor with her. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't bet that. It's Hillary Man, Clinton are... all over again. It's like, yep. you know what I mean? Like we've had. That's exactly right. Yeah. Like how many. How many times does reality have to show up and slap a big cream pie in our face before we start to realize that we're probably, you know, I was going to be coy again and say our expectations are a problem, but I don't think that's what it is here. I think we're monitoring the wrong inputs. Yes, you're you're huffing your own farts is the problem. Par partially. Well, I mean, that's the, the Alberta thing I was telling you guys a minute ago. I, I said yes. it more gracefully than that. Yes. Um, but what no, I but mean is... You're right. The Twitter consensus is not worth listening to. Well, it's sort of like what are what are your meaningful indicators like when you're trying to understand the world around you what do you look to and i'm i you and i have talked about this before i actually think we live in an age where it's very hard to do that i think you know our our media our culture our society is so kind of distributed into tiny little silos it's hard to get a sense of how the people feel um but I, I just don't have the sense that Daniel Smith is going to be as radioactive to the random Albertan as 
the blue check segment of Alberta Twitter has concluded. Yeah. But, that doesn't mean she doesn't torpedo herself. It doesn't mean that yeah. like they're like, I'm not making any predictions here. I don't know the scene well enough to make these predictions here, but it's the certainty that she's doomed that I just think is misplaced. Like have these people learned nothing in recent years? We have lived through stuff that none of these people would have told you was going to happen. And yet they come along and they go, well, Daniel Smith is doomed. And like, a bunch of all millions of Albertans pat themselves on the back and go, Oh, okay. It's going to be okay. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's exactly right. Now, what I would say on the flip side of all this and, and where you, you know, there are meaningful indicators is that is there's so much oppo in her man. It's not hard to craft some really effective attack ads on Danielle Smith. Um, there's so like, she was a, a former radio host. She, so there's yeah, we there's years and years of, of, of stuff that she has said and written and I mean, as anyone who writes or speaks for a living, so there's just going to be mountains of material on of Oppo, like Oppo on her in terms of all in terms of her her stated views. So there's that. And then the other thing I would point out, and Ken did make this point, I think it was apt in his column. Um, she is not talking about the issues that the vast majority of Albertans think is important. The vast majority of Albertans are not foaming at the mouth at Ottawa and you know, secretly planning to live in the Republic of Western Canada, okay? The vast majority of Albertans are like, my grocery bills are high. <laughs> you know, like, it's the same kinds of problems. And I'm, I'm concerned about where the healthcare system's at. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's the same kinds of problems that everyone else in Canada is worried about. So, you know, can she, can she actually use her voice, her platform of communication skills to actually speak to where the majority of Albertans are? Um, we'll see. But if if she goes in on a platform of like free, Alberta, that's that's not going to fly with you know the seventy eighty percent of the of the province. Yeah, as ever though, I mean, as as the liberals federally have shown, you don't need no, you don't need thirty percent of the people yeah. if you get the right thirty percent in the right, right places. That's right. Yeah. So, all right. Any any other? I mean, so I think your dispatch blurb will be largely. Yeah, just going to be like, like, don't do not rule out the possibility that Daniel Smith is 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 could win. She absolutely could. It, you know, there's so much unknown unknown here. On uh, the federal front, we got a few topics here. Um, so one of the big stories this week. And you and I actually talked about this a little bit uh, this before we started rolling because we wanted to kick it around to see if we thought it was worth talking about. Here's what happened. Let's just go straight with um, uh, the news. Global News reported this week that going as far back as 2018, YouTube videos posted to Pierre Polyev's account contain metadata hashtags. And for the, the listeners, don't worry, I'll explain what that means in a minute that use a misogynist term. Now, for readers and uh, listeners and viewers who don't know what I mean by metadata hashtags, when you are posting an article or a video online, you can add keywords and they're not publicly viewable. These keywords are for the use of search engines. When I was a rookie at the National Post, kind of one of the grunt jobs we would have would be posting copy on the web. So here's an article, it's getting in the paper, go put it online. One of the things we were told to do was add five or 10 keywords. So for example, this is way back in, in my day, but I would be like, I would be loading an article and it'd be like Canadian politics, Canadian federal politics, Ottawa politics, Stephen Harper, Michael Ignatieff, just stuff like this. Yeah. It helps search engines find you. Yeah. Now it has gotten way better since then. I am not conversant in this stuff technically at all, but those are the key terms. One of them, uh, MG... MIGTO. T-W, like men going their own. Men going their own way, yeah. Yeah, MIGTO, you're right. T-O-W. Men going their own way is a subgroup of men who find feminism so repulsive and modern women so repulsive that they've given up on forming meaningful relationships with women. These are sick puppies. These are not good dudes, right? Like these are twisted people. Men men going their own way and us women are just like, you go your own way, far away from me. Thank you very much. Well, Chris Selly writing the National Post this week basically said, if not for the fact that we've had incel terrorism, men going their own way would be a huge win. It would be like a a, a despicable segment of the population removing themselves from the, the gene pool. So Global News got this. 
and uh, so th there's been some immediate debate. So just so clear, this. MIGTO was put, was one of the, uh, one of the terms, in terms that was put videos. in Pierre Polyev's YouTube videos. It was going one of the back, metadata terms. Yeah, going back as far as 2008. With the implication that like, 18, um, if, you, if you're on YouTube and you are falling into the MIGTO type rabbit hole, Polyev, Polyev's videos are then going to be more likely yeah. to show up in your feed. So we're going to be more likely to watch them. So the videos I watch would be like leaf clips, leaf highlights, Star Trek scene, prog rock music, and YouTube being a, a data gathering machine starts going, well, this user keeps clicking on all these videos. These are the overlapping terms that those videos share. Therefore, he might also like these other videos that yeah. also have these terms. It's why so, they're, it's why it's why the YouTube algorithm is as good as it is, and it keeps and you addictive. It keeps you getting sick. It's and it sucks you into the rabbit yeah. hole of because it it's it's constantly figuring out what you like and what you want to watch more. And it's shockingly good. Yeah. So, um, when I was doing this stuff 10, 15 years ago, it was very crude. Now it's very, very good. Yeah. And the so. The implication for Pierre Polyev here is that either he or someone in his employ had identified men going their own way, these despicable weirdos, as a target, as like someone yeah, we audience. want to be getting our message to. Yeah. And this fits in, I think, with some of the existing narratives around Pierre Polyev, that he courts the extreme, that he has ties to dark stuff. I'm not 100% sold on this. There, there are... Now, first of all, this is dead to rights. Global has this. The conservatives have acknowledged as much. Polyev has acknowledged as much. And they have with, removed the terms. So no one's denying this was a thing. What I'm curious about is whether or not there are more banal explanations to this. Because this will be portrayed as either Pierre Polyev himself being like, I want to go out and get those weirdos, or being comfortable exploiting those people and realizing that his message would resonate with him. Those would okay, be so lines the, the, of attack. The first thing I would also observe is MGTOs are a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of... They're tiny. They're, they're not very many of them out there. So this is not exactly like some huge voter base that, that is going to like swing an election here. You're, you're talking about a couple, maybe in Canada, thousands of people, maybe? Well, I'll tell you what I did. I went and I talked to a friend of mine who is not political but he's mm -hmm. an SEO guy. He is a mm -hmm. search engine optimization guy. Sure. And I said to him, how would something like this happen? My friend, not political. He doesn't give a shit about this yeah. stuff. But what he said yeah. to me, he goes, look, there's a few ways it could happen. A, Polyev or someone working for him made a conscious, rational decision to go after these guys. That's the explanation he's being accused of. And it's very possible. He also said it's possible that someone was copy and pasting terms <laughs> from some marketing list they already happen to be on or um and we should say also off. as well like i think and i don't know about youtube videos but it's now it's not just 10 metadata tags you can oh, put on now lot. you can you can put in yeah. hundreds of metadata data tags so if you're it's some, one of the fastest ways to go about um tagging up your data is you copy and paste a giant list of meta tags and just throw them all in there in order to just yeah. rig up and j just jerry rig your, your your viewer stats. That's what my friend had said. He says, yeah. especially for someone who's recently started posting videos before yeah. you've identified an audience, you pick the top 10 people whose reach you like and you don't care what the content is, but you're like, I want to get the clicks like this guy and this guy and this guy. You copy all those meta tags and you throw them in. So That's you'd a look possible at you, So you'd look at, say, for example, Jordan Peterson's video. There you go. Pull up all like all 120 meta metadata tags that he has on his video and you throw it copy into yours. Paste. Now that might sound like a whitewash for Polyev. I, I honestly don't know if that's happening, but that's a plausible explanation. So here's the thing. We're never going to know what the truth of it is. Because well, even okay. if they know, they're never going to reveal it. Yeah, but I mean, let's look. Let's presume it's the second scenario, because to me, that just seems like the most plausible scenario. That they grabbed a Ben Shapiro video or Jordan a Jordan Peterson, Peterson video, yeah. and they just grabbed all the Meditech data and threw it into their own video. Let's just assume, I just think that's the most plausible answer. So let's just assume that's what it is. That means that the type of YouTube audience they are looking for is like, say, a Jordan Peterson watcher or a Ben mm -hmm. Shapiro type watcher. You know what I mean? Like, that is the that is the, the the pool in which they are swimming. I think that that is a fair comment. I think that's a fair story, and I think it's a fair thing to observe. It's not mm -hmm. necessarily that MIGTO itself is having one MIGTO 
tag out of 100,000 metadata tags is itself that incriminating. But I think it does suggest to me that they think that their audience and their growth is in a particular pool of 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 watchers that are kind of in the right wing kind of YouTube watching sphere. I think as well. I mean, I agree with you on that. Um, I I have sort of three meta conclusions from all of this. First of all, uh, the the liberals and those who are opposed to Mr. Polyev, they're going to run with this. This is too good an opportunity for them. Sure. I also suspect, with no disrespect intended to global news, does this sound like a, an oppo drop to you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I don't know for a fact. I haven't spoken to the reporter. I, but a story like this looks to me drop. as an oppo drop. Of course. It is. So I am I'm being a little more conditional with Jen because I hate dealing with lawyers, but it strikes me as possible that global news might have been handed there's nothing wrong with with covering oppo drops we've all covered oppo oppo drops there's no shame in that the other the other thing that jumps out at me is uh the possibility that no one's going to care and this is this is so beyond a twitter story this is a twitter split i'm sorry possibly pierre polyev's uh youtube videos included a migdo metadata tag Oh, that'll sway the masses. No, this is like this is totally a Twitter story. I'm sorry. Like we we literally just spend ten minutes explaining what this stuff was. Yeah, but if I'm if I'm a liberal and I'm on the attack, or if I'm if I'm a third party proxy and I'm going after Polyev, you don't need to get lost in the weeds. No, that's true. Go out there and you go. You know, Pierre Polyev. He hangs out with convoy guys. He advertises to to misogynists. Like, yeah, I think there's an easy way to sell that narrative. But I also know how the conservatives are going to sell the narrative, which is while they're snooping around in our, you know, copy and pasted metadata, we're focused on the issues that I'm a cynic on the number of undecided voters. Like, I think we cover 99% of our news stories in this country as if 99% of voters were open to changing their minds. And I don't think they are. No. So the, the the last point that jumps out at me, though, as being actually, oh, you know, what? okay, sorry, I thought I, I had said I had three meta conclusions. I actually have four. An- another one. This just shows you how powerful these digital tools are, like shaping opinion and influence in ways maybe even the people attempting to promote the opinion don't fully appreciate. There are like five people in the world who fully understand the implications of these software tools all of us are using. I just find that interesting. Like mm. at a certain point, these are like ghosts in the machines. Like I want to throw a hypothetical at you. Okay. Totally hypothetical, not even speculating. This is the case. Imagine that the MGTOW tag ended up in there because some like 21 year old nerd who had never kissed a girl and was jacked up on Red Bull and, at three in the morning coding this website put it in for a giggle so that he could tell his losers in the in whatever like bulletin board they chat with hey guess what i did i put a tag into jordan shapiro's video it's a misogynist tag people would be so angry and then for years after that marketing guys copy and paste it into a billion different advertising campaigns yeah, on the yeah yeah you know what i mean like and we totally. can actually have entire societal movements being shaped around some 21 year old who hasn't slept in three days because he's on a coding binge yeah and yeah he wouldn't yeah. know it no like, he honestly wouldn't know it right the the last point i'm actually going to make that i think is more substantive is i thought it was interesting this week to see the liberals hit back because since Polyev has become the leader, it's been Polyev attacking, punching the prime minister in the face. We've already seen the, the liberals give some ground on some issues like uh, arrive can and the borders. I don't I don't want to say that Polyev looked rattled in question period this week, but the man with the worst poker face in Canadian federal politics is Andrew Scheer. He looked rattled. <laughs> when uh, the liberals were punching Polyev in the face here. Poly- uh, Andrew Scheer, and I, I was talking about this back when he was leader, he has zero poker face. Yeah. He just doesn't. Like, th- this is uh, Andrew Scheer's expression when it's anything bad's about to happen. <laughs> so video watchers got the benefit of that, but podcast listeners didn't. He was a very ha- good face. He had Andrew Shear look, and I, like what I the look I remember from when he was leader, when Andrew Shear knows he's about to have a bad twenty minutes, 
everybody knows he's a yeah. bad 20 minutes he looks like he's about he's holding in a poop or worse i mean i descri- <laughs> i described it to a colleague that the look on andrew shear's face is if you're having a normal conversation with him and then you slowly hold up a p- picture of his parents in an intimate act <laughs> and he's like this is really uncomfortable for me but i'm going to continue answering the question that's the look on his face and he always has been so yeah, that's probably going to end up in some conservative ad campaign, isn't it? Line journalist makes disgusting reference to <laughs> later. No, the guy, he's Andrew Shear. Whenever things are getting tense in the house, don't look at how Polyev's reacting because he's an attack dog. Look at Andrew Shear. That's the tell of how the conservatives feel about that day. So, so like, like, what do we, we just want to do a little blurb on this sort of situation, but like, what, what's our takeaway here? I don't know. Like, <laughs> We've just like wasted like 30 minutes talking about this. Do, do you want to write this one? Like, do you want to, do you want to pluck something together out of this? Yeah, I guess I could. I need to think about what my, what my top line and all of this is. Cause I mean, like it's, it's not a nothing story. It is useful and indicative that they are, that this is the, the Jordan Peterson Shapiro mm. pool. Oh, YouTube listeners is where they think their growth audience is. I think that is a worthwhile story. I'm not going to say that, oh, this is a non-story because like, it's, it's interesting. Um, do I think it's going to be a, and an, okay. Is it also an indicative of like a, of a, of an attrition like approach from the, from the liberals? They're going to just continue to drop these little hints that slowly pick away at um, Polyev's um, reputation by attrition. Yeah. I think that's also true. Do I think that that is a getting to be a really old tactic by the liberals? yeah i'm pretty bored with it to be honest with you um it keeps working but it keeps working so i understand why they keep doing it um so yeah i mean it, there's there's a lot to sort of pick away at there it's interesting um i'll tell you what why don't you do the main one on alberta and fo- pull a like we got like five or six threads in that one so you can pull a bit of a medley out of that one okay um, uh all right da, 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 da. so this one's fun because we have three overlapping topics that are all separate then we got to talk about arrive can too because that one's an interesting one is that this week or is that last yeah, week that though? was this week was it pretty sure I, I don't know every day is blurry to me i was traveling all week i think if i remember correctly i snuck arrive can into the dispatch last week because it broke friday night i think it was a friday oh, night news I dump forgot. and i think we've covered that already okay never mind then ignore me i would never ignore you I, i'll just gently correct uh you you on that's, that one that's 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 mansplaining um hey look I, if i'm getting in trouble with the conservatives already i'm just going to basically lean into all this here but now i'm doubting myself so i am literally pulling up our dispatch right now let's see did i do arrive can um everything that happened last week i'm kind of blanking off Hmm. i don't know i'll check green party yes we did cover it last okay week. all right never mind yep. all Before right so done. that's covered I apologize no that's okay what a scintillating I completely forgot segment. It. what a scintillating segment of the podcast that's going to be yeah. um so a couple of interesting ones that are all kind of in a general um range here of each other Several Western provinces, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta, have signaled to the federal government that they're not going to comply with the federal uh, so-called military-style assault rifles ban. Um, mm-hmm. Particularly what they're going to do is that they will deny access to provincial resources to enforce or enact the ban in any way. Mm-hmm. And that will mean the RCMP detachments in those three provinces, which don't have provincial police forces. So... Marco Mendocino, who's the public safety minister and who's the liberal point man on this, he said that this is a stunt, that uh, it was Alberta first and then Saskatchewan and Manitoba joined. He, he went on the, the national talk shows and he dismissed this as a stunt. And he said gun control is 100% within the federal jurisdiction and provincial efforts to impede it are again are a stunt. And here's the thing. First of all, Marco Mendocino is right. Gun control is 100% in federal jurisdiction. And any attempts to impede it by the provinces are a stunt. But here's the thing. Stunt meets stunt, Marco. Because most of what the liberals have been proposing on gun control since 2019 is a stunt. This is like pot calling kettle black territory here. Marco Mendocino has absolutely no legs to stand on accusing anybody else of doing a stunt on anything related to gun control. 
And I, I would also like to take some credit for saying stunt meet stunt because I feel like I was intro- I introduced that particular phrase into our conversation earlier. Did you? All right. Well, yeah, cre- credit. But it's good. Credit but it's granted. Good. I'm sure um, I steal from you all, all the time. So you. So I will I will throw together a bit of a, a blurb on this, and I won't belabor the point. What I'll probably do is just link to some of what I've written on this issue before. But I have written for the line at length before about how the liberals in around 2019 took themselves out of what until then had been a shared consensus on gun control in Canada. The conservatives leaned a little one way, the liberals leaned a little little the other way, but there actually was a shared consensus of what the purpose of the gun control system was, what the goals of the program were, how you went about them. And it was the liberals after they lost their majority who said, well, the hell with this, we're going hard on guns as a wedge issue, particularly with suburban moms, because Mm -hmm. I've talked to like a bunch of pollsters about this guns scare the shit out of women in the 905 women in the 905 rule the world man well they at the very least keep the liberals in power and like the fact that like a lot of what the liberals have been proposing for years as i have written about repeatedly is bullshit it is a symbolic stunt aimed at appeasing those core largely but not exclusively female voters largely but not exclusively in suburban areas canada's karens don't like guns bingo and so if Marco Mendocino here is going to get up on his high horse and lament the fact that the provinces are stunting on guns, well, you're just getting it back, bud. Like, this is, like, like I, I kind of liked it the old way when the liberals and the conservatives basically agreed and they made modest policy tweaks and recommendations, some of which I didn't agree with, but they were within an established framework. Well, I'm actually going to know. I'm going to. I'm going to actually make this point also as well, and, and that is one of the things that happened after Shandro came out and said we're not going to actually direct provincial police resources to enforcing this federal law um, is that uh, one of the people who took total credit for it was Danielle Smith. She was like, "Haha, you're here. You are calling my sovereignty act stupid, but you're doing exactly that same thing." So she she took it on the on the stump and used it as as a, as an example of 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 the, the provincial government doing what she had claimed she she'd uh, forwarded all along okay so a couple of points on that one one is okay so wait a minute you're saying that the the provincial government was is able to pull back resources on this particular directive without the use of a sovereignty act yeah then why are we passing a sovereignty act because it's secondly and secondly, it's a stunt. We know perfectly well that the federal government can pursue this in court, and they'll probably win because this does fall under federal jurisdiction. And if you want to pass a sovereignty act that you're claiming is constitutional because it will respect and reinforce the traditional boundaries between provincial and federal jurisdiction, guess what? Where do you think this is going to go? Um, just- secondly, there is actually one area where the provinces do have a little bit of wiggle room in terms of the, the the gray area between provincial and federal jurisdiction and that is on matters of policing and that's because of course policing is a provincial jurisdiction so it is possible for the provinces to say we're just not going to direct resources to this particular issue for example like bc did with pot dispensaries yep. just said yeah we get that it's still against the law to have a pot dispensary we're just not going to force it so this there's there's ample precedent for this oh yeah and whether or not the feds choose choose to enforce it or not is always an interesting question. Um, but it is worth noting that the fact that Shandro engaged in the stunt legitimized or gave the appearance of le- the claim of legitimacy to Smith's Sovereignty Act. So I think that's an interesting thing to note as well. You know, it's we I've written a series of columns about this, and I know I've talked with you about this before. I've I've warned that our politics is becoming memefied. Yes. And you could also like it's a made up word. Right. But like all of politics being fought over increasingly narrow slices of the persuadable vote using largely symbolic high, like high emotion, low IQ politics here. Yeah. The stuntification of our politics is different way of saying the exact same thing. Liberals are stunting on on guns for a federal audience. Provinces are stunting on guns for a provincial audience. It's not going to save a single life. Not going to avert a single 
like it's not going to accomplish a goddamn thing but it will probably keep political fundraising machines running with fresh material it's probably going to get some votes um the only the thing i would end with as well you talked about uh, bc and pot dispensaries in toronto a couple of years ago uh because the city of toronto is so dysfunctional it can't figure out how to legalize having a beer at a park they basically ordered bylaw and police to stop enforcing that people like you and i will always warn that the rule of law matters like like if we're gonna have laws they have to make sense and be enforceable and if we can't then we should repeal the laws because this is a perfect example of all the progressives in the world who probably thought it was like really smart that bc stopped enforcing dispensaries and that toronto stopped enforcing alcohol are going to be shocked and appalled when alberta refuses to go pick up a bunch of ar-15s it's the same goddamn thing, guys. It's just yep. coming at you from a, def- a different direction here. Let's have some rules and laws and adhere to them. But I guess I'm just old-fashioned that way. Uh, you old-fashioned man. Um, also, Mendocino, another well, thing. Yeah. Backdating a, stuff. A double hit of Mendocino. So I've got to go. Mendocino or Mendocino? Am I saying? Who knows? He'll be, he'll be gone soon. We're print people. We can't speak. Can't speak a damn thing. Um, I think it's I think it's Mendocino, but I'm honestly Mendocino? not sure. Um, okay. So cappuccino. Mm, I could use one. That's all I um, think about when I think his name. Back dating. I think it was Blacklock's reporter who had this first, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Um, there had been. I I, I want to be careful with my remarks on the podcast and the video because I'm going to have to research this and write it properly. I don't want to <laughs> wing it here because it's the the timeline is complicated here. But it looks like uh, government lawyers from public safety misled a judge and then doctored mm. documents to uh, back that up. And it seems to mm. have been, I don't want to call it a white lie because I don't want to sound like I'm condoning this, but it was a pretty minor issue. It was like, well, before we proceed with the motion, we have to make sure that this is already in place. And the lawyers are like, yeah yeah that's that's yeah you bet your honor that's in place and then quickly we're like somebody got me an email so they like they came up with a statement to backdate it to show it this is not like like burglarizing the watergate level stuff here but it's not good and i have already written about mendocino that this is a guy who's a bullshitter on the emergencies act on guns and now on the dates of documents and the best part of it is they backdated it to April 31st. There are 30 days in April. They didn't even backdate it. Well, okay, that's great. That's they, they backdated it to a day that does not exist. So you're a bullshitter and you're dumb about it. Great. So like, this is not the sort of thing a minister or whatever direct them to do. I get it. This is probably, like you said before, probably have like some 21 year old juiced up on Red Bull, like doing it for the lulls. But this is the sort of thing where I don't think it's Mendocino's fault. But the buck stops with him. Remember when Trudeau talked about a return to cabinet government and he was going to make his ministers responsible, which was obviously oh, well. a rock of shit. But this is a classic example. I, I do not I do not have faith in the public safety minister's willingness and or ability to be honest with the Canadian people. So I will go write that in a in a more careful way and I will I will keep it very close to the to the known facts. Okay. Uh, but I heard whispers about a month or two ago that Mendocino is uh, not in favor currently, even among his bosses here. I was surprised when we had that little mini cabinet shuffle at the end of the summer for uh, one of the ministers had some health problems. Um, I was a little bit surprised he didn't get shuffled out because as one of my political operative friends said to me, Mendocino is committing the most cardinal sin in the liberal Bible. He's losing. He's um, oh, and this is the last one part of in that general theme. I need to go pull all the dates for this. I've got like five columns I can go cite here. Canadian federal government has announced a program to replace the nine millimeter uh, pistol sidearms used by the Canadian armed forces. I read this and I was just like, oh, please tell me what to think about this, Matt Gurney. This is everything about this is so perfect for you. Only Only you can write about this. Here's the thing, okay? Here's the thing. Okay. Here's here's the thing. Okay. Many, many years ago. Many, many years ago. Many, many years. The British government and the Canadian government, within a few months of each other, simultaneously decided to replace their nine millimeter military sidearms. 
They both came up with a program, very similar. They needed the same kind of equipment, roughly the same number of firearms. The British military is somewhat bigger, but within the ballpark here. The British basically stood up a procurement program, selected a vendor, chose the winner, held trials, chose a winner, selected a vendor, issued the paperwork, and uh, had new pistols entering service, I believe, two calendar years later. The Canadian federal government has been working on this program in some version for, I think, about 12 years. And we have had to cancel and reboot it a couple of times because our procurement system is completely broken. Yep. So uh, Anita Anand, the defense minister, made this announcement today. Uh, thousands of pistols arriving first for the Army and then for the Air Force and Navy as needed God later. God bless Anita Anand getting things yeah. done. Again, the thing that just made me laugh is that apparently the pistols will be in Canadian service by next year. This is such an easy procurement. Like this is <laughs> literally pistols. It, pistols. It is something where, like, if you have a license, you can walk into a store and buy one of these things. Like a lot of military equipment is like bespoke, right? Like you've got yeah. one hundred yeah. of these things exist in the entire world. This is, and then this is decide, not a fucking Heimar here. Yeah. Like, you need 20 more of them. So you need to go back to the manufacturer. Just, and you like, just call oh. up Smith and Wesson and like, can you, can you give me your day's allotment of pistols, please? Yeah. yeah. And like, this is a pretty easy foolproof technology that's existed for a long time. And the Canadian government couldn't get it done for more than a decade. So it's I will amazing. go and I will pull my old columns on this because all the dates already exist there. But I honestly think the blurb ought to just be timeline of the british procurement timeline of the canadian procurement I and let's give and let's give anita non credit because she appears to be the only minister in this government who can actually get a file through this will sound snarky and i don't mean it that way but i remain baffled by anita anand because i don't know if she is hyper competent or if she clears the barest bar of competency yes, and therefore looks incredible, and therefore looks incredible compared to everyone else. Cause the big one Who she's, knows? um, she's, uh, attributed to is the vaccine procurement, right? Yes. But I've never, like, no one knows because all the documents are classified. So did it well, now she's, non- she's, she's developing a track record. Did she also, she also, she's acquired vaccines and now pistols. pistols. So did Anita Anand, by sheer virtue of her brilliance and force of personality unparalleled across Canadian federal service today, do the impossible by getting the vaccine companies to prioritize Canadian access? Or did Anita Anand show up at a meeting and basically go, we'll pay double if you can get them to us. And they went, okay. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. So there's Anand a source is- out there in the, in the Ottawa government who can give us some insight into how competent Anita Anand is, that would actually be very helpful to us. And when it comes to the pistols as well, right? Like Anita, like on the one hand, I want to put Anita Anand on my shoulders and run around um, like the city screaming her name and throwing confetti in the air. I want to get 30 of my best friends together and dump a big thing of Gatorade on her because she finally got the pistols for the Canadian army. This is incredible. This is like this is like hitting a grand slam in the bottom of the ninth inning in the in the World Series, or was it? You just you just showed confidence? up and made a phone call yeah. and like you got like, the pistols. Well yeah. done. So, if if you ever need um, a refresher on the uh, questionable efficacy and efficiency of our Canadian federal government, twelve years for pistols. Twelve years for pistols. Um, I'm going to make one quick note to end us off with, and my battery is going to die on my computer. So I'm going to be super, super quick. It's going to be a forced heart out here. Uh, I was traveling much of this week and I was in Ottawa, uh, waiting for my plane yesterday. So Thursday, and I saw something Matt. I saw something pretty amazing. I saw someone reading Andrew Potter's piece in the line on his phone out in the wild <laughs> and i like got really creepy about it i was like so i like took a little spot like kitty corner to him and i think his friend kind of recognized me but didn't come up with me and so i kind of like stood behind him and started taking pictures of him and like sending the pictures to everybody i knew like this dude's reading potter he's reading the line yeah, it was cool. a very exciting moment it's a very cool thing we... when you see someone in the wild reading something that you've written yeah. it's a very very cool experience um, and it's the first time that I've ever seen anyone reading the line in the wild. That's so really I'm going to cool. make a proposal. 
mm-hmm. I think we should put in the dispatch of this story. And if uh, the person who was reading the wine in the wild can uh, tell us what time he was there and which restaurant he was at, then we should give him a year's free subscription. What do you think? Write it up. We'll put it at the top. Of the, we'll put it at the very top of the dispatch right put after the, the intro. Also, uh, that's also going to be an apology for Being creeping over his shoulder and taking pictures of him and showing giving, giving those pictures to my mother. Well, we print people have a lot more anonymity than uh, people who are – you and I both do TV, but like yeah, we're not yeah. on it every day. Um, so I get often the experience, and I'm sure you have some version of this, is when you're out somewhere, you're at a store, you're at a restaurant – and someone's looking at you not with recognition but with near recognition mm-hmm. yeah so, and they're like and they're like and then they're like they kind of want to come up and say hi did, but then they're like no how that's do creepy. i mm-hmm. and they can't quite mm-hmm. place they can't you. quite do it yeah i did get complete okay i've had a, a few weird experiences like that once was a guy driving by me in his car leaning out his window and going man i subscribed to the line and, and I, amazing for a second there i thought i was about to get shot in a drive-by shooting because window comes down guy leans out i'm like well okay this is a weird way to go um the other time the only time i have ever had an outright awkward encounter well i guess there was two of them but this is the one that was most i'm at a bar i'm in the men's room i'm at a urinal and this guy saddles up next to me and we're both like holding our penises <laughs> and he looks at me and he goes hey are you matt gurney <laughs> I read your column and I'm like well you'll forgive me if I don't shake your hand but like like, (laughs) thanks for reading um anyway yeah these things do Do happen like should you like cross the streams just as a show of camaraderie or something well that that is how men bond um I mean as as I'm sure you know yeah Yeah, you've heard the rumors a good stream crossing you're not really friends um okay no that's no that is genuinely really cool though so write up write that up in a couple sentences let's stick that right at the top of the next uh dispatch okay all right i got this has been a long podcast already but we covered all right today and my my battery is oh i got the red bp battery thing so we got to say goodbye okay well happy thanksgiving everybody talk to you on tuesday bye bye well that's it for this edition of the lions experimental podcast to everyone at home a happy thanksgiving if you're not celebrating at least enjoy the long weekend we'll be back with you on tuesday take good care